All right, welcome back once again here. We got Tyler Cook right around the corner, the teleconference from earlier today. Beat writers and myself jumped in and uh, asked a few questions to Tyler Cook from today. Here is that teleconference. Tyler Cook back at the University of Iowa. Hey, Tyler. Um, curious, um, what you learned about yourself through going through this process, what the feedback you got, was it anywhere close to what you thought you'd hear? You, was it surprising? Did you learn a lot? How much, I mean, what did you actually learn about yourself? Uh, I learned a lot, and I could talk for hours about, you know, the different things I learned uh, about not only myself, but, you know, the process and, and uh, about, you know, what it takes to be a player in the NBA and all that kind of stuff. But um, I said the thing that most stands out was uh, really the attention to detail that they pay to, um, you know, to watching each prospect and, and, and how much they break down your game and, and really – um, you know, analyze how you would fit within this system. So when they bring us in, um, you know, it's almost like what they see in the workouts isn't necessarily important, you know, because they've already seen us play. They've seen our tendencies, our habits, what we do on the floor. And uh, really one of the most important things is that they're looking for when they bring us in is, you know, how we carry ourselves, what kind of teammate are we, um, how do we conduct ourselves in interviews and stuff like that. So um, really that was the uh, – one of the things that, that, that most, I guess, shocked me about the process is how much they pay attention to, to, to what goes on off the court just as much as they do on the court. Tom Kaker, you really seem to wrestle with this decision-making process. How wh- Walk me through the last couple of days and your thought process as you made this decision. Yeah, um, well, I, was, I see your stuff like in the media and stuff all the time and on uh, Twitter and on the Internet and stuff like that. And people seem to think that I was, I guess... Um, holding off and making my decision as a chess move, but as I told um, you know our coaches yesterday, like it really took me until yesterday morning, you know, to to be final on my decision because uh, my mom told you, I mean, it was hard. You know, we had um, opportunities both ways, you know, to come back to school or to, or to stay in the draft, but um, you know, to a lot of prayer and then sitting down and what be best for myself and what's best for my family long term. Um, we just felt like you know coming back. I was a smart decision to make. Chad Lysakow. Uh Two-part question. Are you changing your jersey number to 25? And then secondly, uh, what have you? What kind of feedback or conversation have you had with your Iowa teammates uh, since you announced your return? Uh, I am changing my number to 25. Um, and I've talked to a few of the guys. I haven't had a chance to talk to everybody yet. But, um, you know, I've talked to them. You know, they express how, how happy they are to have me back. Um, for another season, and then uh, obviously we got a lot of talk about in terms of things that we got to change within our locker room, things we got to on the court, um, stuff like that to give ourselves the best, um, best opportunity for the coming season. So, like class, you know, your last game of the year, you, you pushed Michigan to overtime, and then you see Michigan sort of move through the Big Ten tournament and go all the way to the title game. Well, what, what, what's the difference when you see Michigan or? Other teams, other elite teams, what has Iowa got to do to get from where it is now to there? Um, if you ask any player, any coach staff from any different team, now they can list off a bunch of you know things that they can improve on. Um, you know, but for for us, obviously, I think it's um, attention on the defensive end. You know, just locking in and being able to play forty minutes of solid defense, and um, also making sure everybody's you know locked in and ready to go. Um, I feel like we're, you know we're all um, our goal. We all have one common goal in life, 
And, um, you know, I focus on that and focus on doing whatever we got to do to attain that goal. And I feel like that'll help us go a long way. And, uh, I'm not saying that that was necessarily you know, what we were going to that last year, but I think coming in with that mindset from the jump, you know, starting on June 11th, uh, we're going well for us and we're important. Scott Docterman? Yeah, Tyler, you, you talked about uh, paying attention to details. And, I mean, two of the things that kind of come out or, you know, from last year's team across the board was, you know, defense and, and turnovers and turnover margin. Is that part of that process? And you think that your experience and the experience of the players around you um, will help those things because you're now can be more mentally into the game? Yeah, uh, I could agree with that. At the same time, you know, teams are good. You know, teams are they're going to score the ball. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to turn the ball over and stuff like that. So um, to sit down and, and overanalyze every turnover or every um, the time of the team, you know, scores over 80 points is, I don't think, is very productive. But at the same time, we got to make sure we hold ourselves to a standard um, to our, you know, our efforts every time on that end of the floor, and that we'll make a smart play. So after that, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're doing those two things, and, you, know, um, you know, we lose a game or we turn the ball over at some point, and, you know, you can live with those mistakes because you're going to make them. But um, to answer your question, I think our, our experience and the fact that we've got guys that, that have been there before, you know, uh, help us a lot coming to this year, especially with, you know, the talented guys that we got coming in. And, um, you know, the freshman that'll be sophomore and sophomore that'll be doing stuff like that. So I think having those guys, uh, having the experience of, um, you know, winning and losing to uh, uh, help us a lot. Don Doxy. Tyler, I, I, I know you did like six workouts and talked to a lot of scouts. Was there one common theme that, that all of the scouts told you that you need to work on or that, that they'd like to see you do? You know, I know my sense of weaknesses. I know what I need to, to do to improve or not, not not to just make the NBA to play, you know, and to be uh, to be able to contribute right away when I get there. So, so um, obviously, like with, like Coach said, being able to guard one through five, uh, being able to shoot the ball, being able to make plays uh, the catch, um, you know, do things like that. I think with this is because when I get there, in terms of me being option one A, are very slim. You know, I got to be able to to play in whatever role that I need to do. To do. Um, you know, and, and with that comes along, you know, being a good teammate, uh, you know, whatever they need me to do, whether that's just coming and be a, a defender or coming and be a rebounder or, you know, a 30 work type of guy, whatever that may be. So, um, really the common thing for them was just to, to be prepared and whatever organization, you know, whatever they need me to do, you know, coming in from day one. So, um, that's something I feel like, um, coming into the season, uh, uh, mentally, you know, get ready for a lot, just, I know I can score the ball and do most of different things, but you know, going forward, um, you know, having one dominant skill or being able to do one or two things great is what's going to help me most going forward. John Bonecamp, coach said that, that you had talked to him about becoming more of a leader with this team. What do you think you need to do to, to be able to be in that situation to be a leader of this team as, as you head into next season? That's a great question. Uh, obviously. It's something that I've, I've done a good job of, i uh, say myself over the past, especially off my year. As, uh, you know, leading by example. And, uh, you know, I'm always the first guy in the gym. I'm always the last one to leave. Um, you know, I'm always in the gym, you know, even when we're not supposed to be. So um, I feel like just me continuing to do that and continuing to, to try to bring other guys in with me, you know, in terms of getting in more work and, um, you know, trying to motivate other guys to be the best that they can be. Um, it's something that I'll, I'll do better, a better job of this year. You know, um, having said that, you know, at the same time, we got 
you know, other, you know, young men on this team, you know, that can that can lead by whatever way they, they feel like they need to. So, um, you know, other guys can step up and you know, up and do what they, say whatever they need to say, do what they need to do. Um, you know, what they feel is necessary to help us lead the team. So, I mean, of course, I want to be, you know, the guy like Coach Seth. I want to be the guy that, that leads this team um, in every way possible. But at the same time, multiple guys that can, you know, do their part as well. Rick Brown. Going into last season, uh, there had been a first-team All-Big Ten senior four previous years who offered that leadership. Um, you saw Peter Jock firsthand and, and how he did that. Is that something you felt was missing last year? No, no senior, no upper class leadership, and is that something you guys can improve on? I think the thing was that he the table. I think we, um, he wasn't the most vocal guy, but the fact that he had been there before, um, you know, he was like you said, he was a senior, and he, he's been through the good and the bad. So um, I think his composure, his work ethic, the way he approached the game is is what made him such a great leader. Without him, you can understand anything. Talked about, like I said before, that our experience coming into this year um, will will help us, I think, the most. Uh, you know, I think in terms of um, you know being prepared, being ready to play the best basketball we can play. Rob Howe, why are you changing your jersey number? And then, beyond that, what kind of feedback did you get in terms of where you would go in the draft, or if you would go? Did you feel like you could have gotten drafted first, second round? Um, was that why it was a tough decision? Well, I won't get into the, the specifics or the details, but uh, I will say I had, a, had an opportunity um, that it obviously took me a while to, to sit down and think about. Um, uh, it was a legitimate, you know, choice that I had to make. And uh, I won't say why I'm taking my judge number uh, as of yet, but, um, yeah, I just felt like 25. 25 has always been around about, like, as well, and there's many good, but I'll hold off on that as well. Going through the workouts that you did with NBA teams, was there one workout that sticks out that maybe you felt like you played your best? Is there a team that gave you more feedback than other? Anything stick out to you? No, they're, they're, all, they're all really great workouts, and essentially you do the same things when you go into these workouts. You interview, you do testing, sprint, vertical, all that kind of stuff. Play a bunch of three-on-three, bunch of one-on-ones, and so... Um, at the end of the day, you know, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, obviously, the ones that you perform better are going to um, stick out in your mind. But I feel like I did, I did uh, all of them. So, some interesting things there. A new number for Tyler Cook next season is junior year. He'll be wearing number 25. Had NBA opportunities. A lot of good stuff and, and a lot of nuggets to take out there from Tyler Cook as he will be back next season playing with the Hawkeye basketball team. Expectations, they were pretty big last year. They returned 95% of their scoring, pretty much all of their rebounding. The only loss is Ahmad Wagner as he moves on to play football at Kentucky, and Brady Ellingson will be playing hoops at Drake. Other than that, everybody's back. You add a top 50 player and Joe Wieskamp. A lot of expectations, certainly, for Iowa basketball we got to take a break. We'll come back here in just a moment, and we're going to talk some NBA Finals. Our man Ken Silverstein on the scene in Cleveland will get his thoughts on the Cavaliers. Any shot, 
doesn't feel like a good shot. Jimmy B and TC continues next here on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back, everybody. We continue all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. All right, Ken Silverstein, based out of Cleveland, our Big Ten Conference insider. But there is a basketball game tonight that involves the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Can you cover the Cavaliers? You have covered the Warriors as well. You're already on record as saying that Golden State should win this series relatively easily. Does it make much of a difference that Kevin Love is cleared from uh, concussion protocol and Kevin Love will start tonight for Golden State? Well, he's a five-time All-Star. We're talking about Kevin Love. And that's nothing to uh, sneeze about. But at the same time, he has had problems against Golden State in the past, and the reason is lateral quickness. They're too athletic, too quick, with the ball, without the ball, whatever. And so it's a matchup problem for the Cavaliers defensively because Golden State is too long, too lean, and better yet, too talented. So, yes, it's important that they have him back because they don't have Kyrie Irving and they need his scoring. But if they don't win tonight, this is going to be a very short series. They need to win one, talking Cleveland here. They need to split these first two games, and I think they have the best shot tonight, one, because they're a little bit more rested than Golden State. Golden State had to play a seventh game. It was on Monday night rather than Sunday night for the Cavs and the Celtics. So the turnaround was a little shorter for the Golden State Warriors. Factor in, yes, they are at home, and they deserve to be home because they're the higher seed. So if the Cavaliers are even going to be in this series, in my opinion, their best shot is tonight, starting a little bit after 8 o'clock Central time. Yeah, you got to steal one of these. There's no doubt about it. It seems like a tall task. We did see, though, in Game 7, the emergence of Jeff Green, longtime veteran who, who certainly has some skills. Now, I don't think you could expect something like that night in and night out from him going forward, but, but Jeff Green, he's going to give up some on the defensive end, especially if he's guarding Kevin Durant, but can he provide scoring punch at least a couple of times throughout this series? They better hope so. Um, one of the reasons they signed him as a free agent is that he can guard various positions. He can guard five. More importantly, he can guard four and three. Five is a little iffy, depending on who the center is. But four and three he can guard. And Durant is a nightmare matchup. And if you go back to last year's championship series, he, meaning Durant, just torched the Cavaliers because they really didn't have anybody size-wise to at least get in his face a little bit. Uh, Green at about six nine and a half, six ten. And it's pretty athletic, at least on paper, quote, quote, will at least give Durant a little bit of a more a difficult look. That means he's going to stop him. He's not. But I think what you're going to see early on is Green going up against Durant. You're going to see Tristan Thompson going up against Durant. They might even try the rookie because he's feisty and say the Osmond against Durant. What the Cavaliers are going to do against Durant is what Golden State's going to do against LeBron James. They're going to use three, four different guys trying to guard them. And the same thing for the Cavaliers. They're going to use at least three different guys, depending on the score, where the game is, first quarter, second quarter, third, and et cetera. So 
Um, they're going to run different people at Durant, at LBJ, trying, quote, quote, to stop them, even though it's not going to work. Okay, both guys are going to do what they want to do. question is, for both teams, the rest of uh, their starting five and then their bench help. And um, Golden State has torched the Cavaliers to the last three years because their bench has been better than Cleveland. Andre Iguodala will not play. He's been a Cavaliers killer over the last few years. That should help the Cavaliers here in game one. And again, if they're going to win one of these two, these first two in Oakland, they need to win tonight. Iguodala will not play. And that hurts Golden State because Iguodala does a pretty good job of guarding LeBron James. And that's one less guy that Golden State will have in rotation to slow down uh, uh, LeBron James. Las Vegas odds makers can have moved that line. Last time I looked, it was at 13, the wow. highest line ever uh, for an NBA championship finals. Do you give the Cleveland Cavaliers any chance at all? Well, no, not really. No, this is they, they, they were they were praying. They were praying for Houston uh, because Paul probably wasn't going to play. If he was, it was going to be late in the series, and I don't even think he would have played in a seven-game series. Uh, Harden would have scored, um, but the rest, the rest was doable. And that they lost Game Six and Seven, particularly Game Seven in the second half, was a crusher uh, for the Cavaliers. This is a horrific uh, matchup. You have four All Stars, two first ballot Hall of Famers in Durant and obviously Curry. The others in, in Green and Thompson are definite all-star players. Iguodala, when he does play, is a very difficult uh, player to deal with. Sean Livingston uh, can be difficult likewise. He's long. Um, for whatever reason, he seems to score against the Cavaliers in the postseason. I got it at five. would shock me if it's a sweep. Uh, I think if the Cavaliers don't win tonight, and I'm going to assume they're not, even though I think this is their best shot of the first two, then their best shot after that is game three, which is what, Wednesday night, next week here in Cleveland. If they don't win game three and they lose the first two, then my guess is they're going to get swept. LeBron James, what he did getting to the finals with his squad and, and the injuries with Love and just the team that's been built around him, it's incredible. Say what you will about Boston not having everybody. They've been a ridiculously good team at home all throughout the playoffs and all across the season. It's another loss, though, looks to be imminent in the NBA Finals. Do we make too much out of LeBron James and, I guess, what is considered his struggles in the NBA Finals? Well, I've had conversations with people comparing this squad on the Eva Game 1 tonight with the old 17. I lost to San Antonio, my, that's 10, 11 years ago. That was his first championship round for LeBron James. They lost four straight to Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, and others, and they were never really in any of those games uh, particularly. Uh, they opened to San Antonio, lost the first two, and then lost three and four in Cleveland. Uh, the debate around here and, and, and doing some other shows around the country over the last few days is is this go-round better or worse than the 07 team? I'm going to give you a couple names 
from the 07 team, Larry Hughes, Sasha Pavlovic, Andy <laughs> Verizal, were all members of the 07 Cavaliers. I would argue that because Love is a five-time All-Star, that Love himself is better than anybody the Cavs had on that 07 team. So I would make the argument that the 07 team is the worst team that LeBron James has ever brought to an NBA Finals. But that this go-around, this team would be number two. How close is it to the 07 team in deficiencies? That one probably could be debated forever, but I think Love, because of the resume, is the difference. And so the 07 team is the worst. It was his first of the many finals he's been in. To me, that's the worst squad he's brought to the final two. But this go-around is the second worst. Didn't Wasn't Booby Gibson on that team, too? Yeah, or am I, and did, Texas front. Oh, Booby yeah. was, I ran into Booby the other day. Booby and I had a long <laughs> dissertation. Yes. <laughs> Shocking that I would have a, a lengthy dissertation with somebody. Yeah, Booby and I held the court in uh, outside the locker room about three hours before tip-off. That would have been game six. Yeah, I guess it was game six. These games start running into each other after a while. Uh, right. Yeah, it would have been game six. Uh, I haven't seen Booby mm, in a couple of years. He got married. She's an entertainer. Um, so he's on the road with her a bunch, and he just doesn't. You know, he's welcome, but he just doesn't show up. But for whatever reason, right? He was there for yeah. game six, and I stumbled upon him. Yeah, Booby, Booby was on that squad. He had had the huge game, Jim and Trent, against Detroit to get into the championship round in 07. Yes. For like 30 or 31 points off the bench yeah. to beat the yeah. Pistons, I want to say in game six that year. And that was a really good Pistons team. It still had Rip Hamilton. It had, uh, what, Chauncey Billups. It had Rasheed yep. Wallace, on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, he scored like 30-31 off the bench and got the Cavaliers into their first NBA Finals way back in 07. That was Booby Gibson. Booby Gibson. I, I just it just flashed into my the old memory bank. You know how that happens every once in a while. Yes, Booby that's, Gibson. That's called the senior. It moment, does. Yes. yes. All right. Now, quickly, does LeBron have to score four in this game tonight, or games that Cleveland played against Golden State this year? Kevin Love averaged 24 points and like 15 rebounds. If they get something like that out of Kevin Love, does LeBron still have to score 40? Wow. Uh, you're going to have to score. they got to score over 100 to beat them. If they keep it in the low to mid-90s, we're talking from Cleveland's perspective, then the odds improve they can steal some games. Um, I just don't know if they can keep them under 100. That's the problem. Um yeah, because I, I don't think he's going to score 20-plus coming off concussion protocol. So because of that, yeah, I do think he's going to have to score 40-plus. He's going to have to score 40 Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hope he gets lots of sleep. Uh, he's going <laughs> to need it tonight and the rest of the series. Uh, because outside of those two, they really do not. See, that's where they miss Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie yes. Irving was able and well, the first year he got hurt, you might remember he had the kneecap injury uh, when he and Clay Thompson were went for a loose ball. Didn't do it on purpose, obviously. 
But the year they won, which was 16, and beat Golden State in seven, Kyrie Irving was just dynamic. He just, well, the story's a little too strong. Let's just put it this way. He gave Seth Curry a huge pain in the you-know-what, okay? I mean, he was a problem. Now, without that third scorer, Curry and others are going to look around and go, there's nobody else on this roster who can score 20 or more a night. And when they won it all a couple years ago, I don't remember what he averaged in the seven-game series, but I want to – it was game five. It was 2-2, and both LeBron James and Irving scored, get this, 40-plus each, and they won. Wow. There's there's nobody – that's the problem. They never replaced Irving. The trade didn't work. The trades before the deadline got role players, Clarkson – Nance, George Hill, uh, what's left the Rodney Hood, and they didn't replace them. And you can get through the Eastern Conference Finals without that third score. But now you stare at the Golden State roster and you go, where is the offense going to come from? Where are the points going to come from? And they're not there. And that's why anybody, I haven't, except for Jay Williams, I think he's the only one that I've seen. And I have no, I, I listened to what he said. I don't buy it. I'm not sure what he's thinking. I haven't run into anybody who doesn't think this thing's going to be over in four or five. I, there are a couple people who think it may go six, but I haven't run into anybody, anybody who's picking the Cavaliers to win. I haven't run into anybody who thinks it's going to go seven. Very few six. I would say majority five and then close, 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 close week before a lot of people go in that direction and it's Mm -hmm. difficult to come up with anything realistic on the other side well with that then it'll be decision time again for lebron james i don't know if lee jenkins will be a part of it this time (laughs) or if there'll be a television show but a decision upon it better chances than it was before ken that he sticks around in cleveland you know I've, i've said for a long long time i thought they had to get to the finals Mm-hmm. And thanks to him and others, they got there. I've also said I thought it had to go six, um, and they had to make it close where he might say to himself, well, we lost one game by a couple. We lost one game maybe from some officiating, and that would be the most optimistic way of looking at this for him to stay. Now, I do know this, and she's very low profile. You never get to talk to her, but just people that I've talked to who – know her, okay, spent a little bit of time with her. Um, Mrs. LeBron James, if you believe in the theory, happy wife, happy life. If you've heard that phrase before, that will be part of it. She's local. She's not a flashy, in-your-face, I'm LeBron's hubby, get out of my way type of lady. She's just the opposite. She's very much with her kids. And her very small circle, very tight circle, and nobody crashes the circle. Now, from what I've been told, and this is reading the tea leaves from a distance because nobody gets close. I don't care who you are. Nobody gets close to her particularly. Okay. Um, that she wants to stay. Um, LeBron has said in the past he wants his kids 
to go to St. Vincent St. Mary High School in Akron, Ohio, where, guess what, he went to high school, where he has given a lot of money to that high school, and I mean a lot of money. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more, over the years, okay? But I've also been told that even if the wife wants to stay and the kids want to stay, that this is a business decision, strictly a business decision, and ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. And you haven't asked me, but I'll, I'll throw it in the mix. I think Philadelphia will be in the hunt. Houston definitely will be in the hunt. The Lakers, Clippers, because they're both in L.A. and he has a lot of business interest out there, will be in the hunt. So that's what, four teams. I can't think of anybody else that I can think of off the top of my head that will be in the hunt. If you pin my shoulders to the almighty wall and say, Ken, you're not getting away without an answer. As of May 31st, 2018, and I don't know. This is strictly, strictly a guess because nobody else knows. Anybody who tells you they do know, they're flat out lying. And I don't think he doesn't know at this point. He's thinking, he's thinking Curry and Durant and and Thompson and if Iguodala comes back. That's all he's thinking about right now. But once this thing is over, and we're going to assume it's going to be over in less than two weeks, um, I think Houston is the front runner. Um, I think they have the best shot for him to win with Harden, Paul, and others. It will be a sign-and-trade, as I mentioned last week. The Cavaliers will most likely get X amount of draft picks, maybe a player, depending on how the salary cap issues work, and it gets really complicated, and I want to bore you with all those uh, details. Subject to change, I have no idea. No one's told me it's Houston. I know Chris Paul's already out there. I'm not basing it on that. I will tell you, his three or four best friends in the NBA are LeBron James. What now, 15 years in the league, if my math is correct. In no particular order, his best friends are Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade. Am I forgetting anybody? Those would be the big three. Wade, uh, Paul, and Anthony, in no particular order. Those, he vacations with those guys and their family over the last umpteenth years, and I think Houston's got the best shot at the age of, well, he'll be 34 in December. He's thinking rings, and if he thinks, and I think he's right, that they can't get it done here, and he's going to go somewhere where he thinks a, a cold, calculating business decision that in my mind, if I'm him, I'm going to ask you for my opinion, but I would go Houston. But we'll see. I don't think he's going to stay. I hope he does. hope he does. Yeah. But I don't, All I right, don't Ken. think he's going to stay. We got a roll, so it's always good, pal, when we catch up with you. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, when we talk next Thursday, there'll be three games in. Um, tonight, Sunday night in Oakland, Wednesday night in Cleveland, and we'll be in between game three. And game four, we uh, talk next Thursday afternoon. And we'll talk to you then. Thank you, Ken Silverstein. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. There you go, everybody. Ken Silverstein on what he believes. And he covers the Cavs and he's covered the Warriors pretty much on an every game type basis uh, for tonight. Interesting stuff out of him, Trent. 
It is. And, uh, well, next, Jimmy B., we got to make our predictions, what we mm-hmm. think we're going to see. We'll get ready for that and a whole lot more getting ready for the night of sports. Quick timeout. We're back with more in a moment. It's Jimmy B and TC. All right, welcome back. Trent Connor back with you running solo here today. And i uh, got a special guest that's joining us in studio, our buddy Chris Sentience from over at Christopher's Gold and Rare Coins. Chris, how's it going? Going great. I'm glad the weather's cooling off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> looking good. Now, I know you're a cyclist a little bit. Last week, a little tough to get out on the bike. Yeah, uh, well, I moved into a, a new home, so we've been, I've been outside working a lot, so it's been uh, making that a little hard to get out on, on the two wheels. <laughs> I got a birthday party for the little ones turning three next weekend. Oh, wow. And uh, we got our playhouse. Uh-huh. So trying to dig out an area, we're putting down some pavers for it. It's been hot work out yeah. there. Putting up the playhouse is the easy part. It's all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, all, all the other stuff and, and getting it ready. It, it's been tough, but we got some good weather here. And a great event coming up this weekend out at Adventureland. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you have going on with the uh, the coin show this week. Yeah, it's actually uh, in the hotel out, out there, Adventureland Inn. And it's the Des Moines Coin Club uh, annual coin show. Uh, we have uh, dealers that will be there from all over the Midwest. Uh, they'll have tables uh with their their coins and uh, gold and silver uh currency tokens metals all that kind of stuff and there'll be a lot of buying and selling going on well uh of course coin collecting real big market as you go through and something that i think as as kids a lot of people did for a long time adults are into it what what is the market like today i i was a coin collector for a while you know Mm -hmm. going back it, it was getting different kind of dollar pieces, getting old coins, you know, things like that. Tell us a little bit about the market today. Maybe people that have coins from, from when they were younger and, and haven't thought about it in a while, what you guys can help with, not just with the event this weekend, but over at the shop at Christopher's. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we, we really try to uh, promote uh, getting kids involved uh, in collecting coins. Uh, that's, you know, how almost everybody started out when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if they can't make the show... Um, you know, at, at the shop, we're always um, more than happy to help youngsters get started and that kind of thing. But uh, the coin market goes in cycles uh, over the years. Uh, we're just kind of coming down off of a, a really long upward cycle in, in the coin market. So it, it's a little bit um, a little bit flat right now, but a lot of prices have come down on, on a lot of coins. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in buying, it's a great time to, to start because uh, um, gold and silver prices have come down and a lot of times when that happens, coins come down a little bit in value mm-hmm. too. So uh, it's uh, there. A lot of coins are a lot cheaper than they were five, six years ago. Well, and, and you, I, I see the television advertisements. All, sell your gold. Come sell your gold and that, greatest investment. And you know, just all these wild claims that right. are out there. So help us out a little bit. You know, if you if you're sitting on some things that maybe you think are are valuable, but you're not exactly sure, you hear those kind of claims that are out there. You're kind of our go-to guy here. You can help us out when you hear those kind of claims. What what jumps into your mind? Well, the first thing that jumps in my mind, if they're spending that much money uh, on expensive nationwide TV advertising, uh, they're obviously not going to work on a small margin. they got a, mm-hmm. a big budget to pay for there. Uh, so uh, um, whether it be coming into the store, we're always there to you know appraise and evaluate your coins and currency and and, uh, and and this show would be a great place to bring them to also because you have uh, uh, 50 dealer tables there. And uh, so you have a diverse amount of people there that, uh, you know, are, are interested in buying and selling coins. So it would be a great place to come learn about what you have. 
Well, coming up this weekend, the Central Iowa Coin Expo out at Adventureland in Chris will be there. And uh, a lot of dealers from across the Midwest and across the country, they'll be there as well. And you mentioned getting kids into it. You know, if you, you got a little one, in fact, one of my uh, good friends, her son loves state capitals and coins. Right. And, and just loves to get his core. You know, he's got the, the big plastic bat. He's got all his coins laid out there with all the different, you know, the new coins that have come out with the, the state emblems on the back. If you got a youngster that's interested, you're not exactly sure, uh, you got a little something special for him to bring him out this weekend as well. Yeah, we'll have a kid's table there. And uh, there will be uh, some people always manning the kids' table, and and uh, they can uh, have a you know a, a good beginning coin experience, and and um, you know how to learn about coin collecting and and that type of thing. So um, you know it, it's it. What's fun is you can go there and see all the different types of uh, coins and so forth mm-hmm. that uh, all the different dealers have, and it's a it's a wide variety of of items. So tell us a little bit about maybe a, something wild, something crazy, you know, something out there that you stop out this weekend to Adventureland in, you're going to see. I mean, are, are we talking $1,000 coins, things like that? I mean, is, is that what the market can be and, and some of the specialty coins that are out there? Well, the great thing about uh, coins and coin collecting is is there's something out there for everybody. And if you don't have much of a budget or if you're a youngster and you want to spend you know, a, a couple bucks here and there collecting coins, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but there'll be coins out there also that are worth uh, thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, uh, some, uh, some things, uh, coins and currency that, uh, people don't even know existed and they're just, and they're, they'll be fascinated by them, especially some of the older currency. So what's your favorite? My favorite coin? What's your favorite coin? Okay. My favorite coin is the, uh, Walking Liberty half dollar. Okay. Yep. They made those, uh, uh, from 1916 to 1947. All right. Yeah. So that's at, that's at the forefront for you, and I'm going to guess you got a few of those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I got a yeah. few. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop on out again this weekend out at Adventureland Inn. It's the Central Co- Iowa Coin Expo, Adventureland Inn in Altoona, and Chris Sensions here joining us today. Well, Chris, not just coins for you. You're a big Cyclone fan, so... Well, today is decision time. We're awaiting word on Lindell Wigington and what's happening that's uh feels like it's going to be a big b- impact certainly to the basketball team this year what that decision is going to be so as we kind of await that decision just basketball as a whole last year the the dip back you got to expect though there's going to be a big bounce back this year you know getting back Michael Jacobson will be eligible this year you got a the UVA a transfer coming in Muriel Sheak it, it you, you expect one year blip right yeah you know we've had a fantastic run the last several years in in basketball and and uh, it was a pretty big blip last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. a tough one. <laughs> yeah, and, and it felt like it it kind of took a toll on on Steve Prohm by the end of the season. You know, he's such a positive guy, right? And by the end of the season, he just he looked wore down. Look, I think most people anticipated they weren't going to be an NCAA tournament team, but the losing streak at the end of the year seemed like it took a lot out of him, which was kind of surprising. I mean, I guess maybe it's just because for my media cap, you. You can take a, a bird's eye view of things, and when you're in the middle of it, it does take a lot out. Yeah, you know, and and you know, there's definitely a lot of talent mm-hmm. on the team, a lot of talent coming in. But in any sport, so much of it is is mental. Uh, you can be the best athlete in the world, but if 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 you know things aren't going your way the way you, you would like or anticipated, uh, after a while, it wears on you. So I'm sure the the the, the mental wear was uh, pretty tough for the team and the coach. 
Then we go to the other side on football, and uh, what a surprise that was. After the beginning of the season, you know, you figure, all right. One thing that we talked about a lot here was if Iowa State was going to be bowl eligible, they had to beat Iowa and had the Hawkeyes on the ropes, lose that overtime game. And, oh, man, how, with that schedule, how are they going to get to six victories? Well, you beat Oklahoma on the road. You beat TCU, two top five teams. And here they go finish up with eight wins on the season. What a great year number two for Matt Campbell. And, boy, that, that roster, the future, it's an exciting time to be a Cyclone football fan. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and any sport is all about recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think there's, like, a lot of great talent out there that's excited to come to Iowa State and, and, and play. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, if you looked at the, like you said, look at the beginning of the season and kind of penciled it out. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we gotta, we have to win these games. Yeah. No, no matter what, we gotta win these games. And then you lose, like you say, to Iowa and the, and the K-State game. Mm-hmm. That was a tough, really tough deal. But, but, uh, but yeah, they, uh, the, the team never gave up. And that's a credit, really big credit to Campbell. That Kansas State game. Well, Kansas State pretty much every single year. All right. So as a Cyclone fan, I'm only giving you one. Right now, sight unseen, but you will get a victory against either Iowa or Kansas State this year. I'm putting it in your pocket. You get to take it just like a fine coin. What are you putting in your pocket right now? A win against Iowa or a win against K-State? I can't pick both. You can't pick both. I'm only giving you one, Chris. I'm only giving you one. (laughs) Well, um, I know what my heart says. You know, I'm confident we'll beat K-State. Okay. Um, You know, I mean... Sure, I want to be. We want to beat Iowa, yeah. and uh, but Kinnick's a tough place, right? And uh, you know, it's a it's a big loud party there, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But uh, K State coming to Ames after what happened last year, uh, I think there's going to be there'll be out for blood. I think so too. I, yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I, and in fact, I, I think that's the more likely of the two. But there's just something about Kansas State. I mean, Iowa State's outplayed them so many times. Yep. And then end up on the wrong side. Last second deals. <laughs> including last year and, and that weird, wild finish. It's just very frustrating, right. no doubt. I, I'm sure as a Cyclone fan, you feel it each and every yeah, year. Yeah, and I was there. <laughs> and you were there. Well, let's hope they get off the schneid this year. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes in a positive direction. Chris, right. once again, uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening this weekend with the Central Iowa Coin Expo out at Adventureland Inn. Yep. Well, it's uh, free admission. Uh, Saturday, the hours are going to be from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Sunday from uh, 10 to 3, uh, free admission, free parking. And, you know, for people that are maybe from out of town, it'd be a great time to come and spend the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two swimming pools at the hotel. They can go to the park. They can go to the coin show. Um, you know, swimming and coins, I don't know what's better than that. It's a perfect weekend, <laughs> a perfect weekend, no doubt. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Yep, thank you, Trent. That's Chris Sensions, Christopher's Rare Coins. So that was Chris Sensions from... Christopher's Gold Coins at a big event happening out at Adventureland in Jimmy B this weekend. You a coin collector? You ever collect coins back in the day? You probably got some old ones. Well, I do have old ones, but I've never really collected them. I spent them as quickly as I got them. Well, that, well I don't know about that, Jimmy B. It's, it's difficult to get inside that wallet. You probably got some buffalo nickels from back in the 30s or something rubbing around in that with those pockets of yours, the way you like to spend money. <laughs> I think there's some dead flies yeah, back there, I that, can tell you that. That's a big part of it as well. But eventually I did this weekend. Stop on out. Should be a good time out there if you're looking to get a youngster interested or if you just have some old coins and kind of wondering what they are, they can help you out this weekend. Jim, it's NBA Finals tonight. That is yep. at the forefront of things. Five games, four games. Well, what are we getting here? Your official prediction I, for tonight. 
Um, I'm going to go five-game series. I think that somewhere along the way, the Cavaliers will find a way to win one game. I don't know if it'll be tonight or if they'll win a game at home. Uh, but this is, when we talk to Ken Silverstein, the second-worst team from the Cleveland Cavaliers that have made it to the NBA Finals, the worst one being LeBron's first one in 2007. Nobody gives them much of a shot. I got a futures bet on the Warriors. I'm sitting on that ticket feeling good, and I bet on Steph Curry to win the MVP at plus 170. I'm feeling wow. good about that one as well. Like him over Durant, maybe I'm just hopeful, you know, my thoughts on Durant. <laughs> Regardless, we will talk about that tomorrow and a whole lot more back tomorrow starting at noon. Ken Miller off in Vegas. We'll uh, jump in with him from noon until 2, and then Jimmy B and TC on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock. Enjoy the NBA playoffs tonight. We got baseball coming your way as well this evening in the high school ranks. Norwalk taking on Des Moines Roosevelt 7 o'clock with the pregame 7.30 with the first pitch. We'll talk to you then on 1700.